0: Live from wherever the heck we are, welcome to the Brown Sports Combos Podcast. My name is Samuel Rhee, and with me I got Ethan Jobson. How you doing, Ethan?
1: I'm good. How about you?
0: I'm doing all right. Uh, you know, I chose not to tune into the Celtics game yesterday, and that turned out to be a great decision for my mental health.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I've been there before, man. Uh, <laughs> I think I tuned out about halfway through that Raptors series last
0: year. Ah, uh, gotcha. yeah. Like- Dude, it's like you're watching the car crash and you know it's going to happen. And we've been predicting that it's going to happen for a few weeks now. Uh, But it's just, you know, it's tough to watch. Mm -hmm. But that is how it is. Congratulations on making it to the second round, Ethan. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, we are here, just the two of us, to talk about some NBA today. I'm pretty excited about that we had some very cool games. We had some pretty close games and we had Luka Doncic, yep. which we can talk about, but we can get into that. Uh, let's frame sort of the discussion today, Ethan. So you were kind of mentioning a structure about what we would be looking at.
1: Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think we wanted to talk a little about uh, some playoff surprises and disappointments as far It's actually been pretty interesting, I'd say. Um, with there being a pretty clear elephant in the room, I think of like a series that, encapsulates that uh the clippers and Mavericks series let's talk about the clippers yeah. so
0: yeah. i, I preface this podcast in the group chat by saying hey be ready to bring your clippers slander and i think that may have scared a couple of folks off since it's only the two of us today but <laughs> dude uh, can we talk about this so last night the clippers fell to the dallas mavericks uh 129 to 121 so they fall to 2 in the series going back to Dallas where they'll be playing the next two and this was a weird weird game I caught some bits of it Luca talking trash to Patrick Beverly just completely sunning him like I haven't seen in a long long time it just looked like nobody could guard him on that team and then on the other end Kawhi Leonard had it going on he put up the kind of expected Kawhi Leonard stat lines, you know, Uh, some rebounds here and there, some pretty efficient scoring, but nobody else on the Clippers really was able to make it happen. And that's with a relatively high scoring game. They had 71 and 73 at the half, uh, which was, you know, just a lot of defense being played. (laughs) Ethan, some elite defensive (laughs) teams
1: here. That's the thing that just, It's hard to get over because the pitch originally for the Kawhi and Paul George pairing was that they weren't just superstars. They were superstars that would bring that defensive tenacity that would make them such a challenge for other teams, especially the Lakers. But it's like we haven't really seen that. I do think I was just uh, struck. Obviously, defense stat like the uh, mainline defensive stats don't totally show you the entire picture. But I don't think either Kawhi Leonard or Paul George had a block last game which is just for players that are supposed to be known for their defensive prowess is kind of ridiculous And I think it's kind of been true just like visually by the eye test you can see for the last couple of years now they just haven't brought that defensive tenacity that you expect from them and I think that's been the big I think there was a lot of talk about the shooting struggles from Paul George uh, last uh bubble but I think the defensive is probably even more of a salient concern for them. And i it's hard for me to know what the problem is, honestly.
0: Let's get into this because the Clippers on paper, I was a believer when Paul George and Kawhi Leonard uh, signed Damn. up for the Clippers. I was a believer. I said, hey, look, we had this scrappy team led by Beverly, led by... Uh, Montrez Harrell and Lou Williams and these guys that you wouldn't really expect to be able to do anything but they won a lot of games through grit through defending the hell out of teams by outplaying the hell out of teams and you know you're adding two two two-way wing superstars Kawhi Leonard just won a championship was the finals MVP with the Raptors and we know what he's capable of and that's not to say he hasn't brought that he has been a two-way superstar on this team. He had uh, quietly a very efficient scoring season and was really good on both ends of the court. Paul George, you know, he wasn't really able to make it work in Indiana, but Hey, maybe this is where he's going to shine kind of a second fiddle to Kawhi Leonard. And you're adding that on top of this really gritty structure on paper. It should have worked. And on paper, this roster should be contending with the best in the league this season Mm-hmm. I mean, you're looking at the the caliber of these players. You're like, all right, well, Lou Williams is out, but he's had playoff struggles his whole career. You're swapping him out for Rajon Rondo. He's got playoff experience. He is a vet who has always overperformed in the playoffs. And let's shout him out. He had seven assists last night. He was an impactful player. Uh, but then you're looking at guys like, okay, well, not only that, we got Ivica Yv- Zubac. Like, we lost Montrez Harrell, but... He, he couldn't guard anybody last season. Zubac was just on a championship team. He's a guy we – and he just got completely destroyed by Przingis and the Mavs' front line all night. These guys are supposed to be better than this. And Beverly, I think – Russell Westbrook was trying to warn us about Beverly for years, right? He's a hack. He's not as good of a defender as you think he is, as he thinks he is, right? And he's too little to guard Doncic. He is too little to really guard Tim Hardaway Jr. Who the hell is he guarding on the Mavericks? I have been so disappointed by this era of the Clippers. Uh, I don't know how they bounce back from this. They're going to Dallas for the next two games. If Dallas holds the home court advantage, then they just get swept. If this Clippers team gets swept and Kawhi Leonard is an upcoming free agent, I'm I'm over this, man. <laughs> I'm over the Clippers. <laughs>
1: <laughs> especially hard to believe when you remember that a couple of years ago, we were talking about the Clippers taking golden state to six. That was supposed to, be, that was the foundation that made this so enticing. And I, I, I don't know where it comes from at some point. It has to, I think that Paul George has taken a lot of blame, but I think at some point it has to rest at Kawhi Leonard's door, because Kawhi Leonard, I think, was the closest thing people thought there was to a leader of this team. Now there have been coaching uh, changes since last season. That was blamed for it. They don't look that much better in the playoffs with uh, Tyronn Lue. Uh, it's not as if basically Paul George's shooting was blamed last time, last year, but his, his efficiency was decent. He was a decent scorer, but it really seems to be that defensive end. And while I understand that, it's not easy to defend Luka Doncic. In fact, it might be borderline impossible. Which is kind of my point. You, you, it, it's also like, you need to be able to stop at the very least the other players on Dallas from contributing. You can't have Tim Hardaway's of the world lighting you up. If you're going to let Luka go off every day. last night, Tim Hardaway 20.
0: junior played 38 minutes. He went six for eight from three and got 28 exactly. points. Exactly. That is not a winning formula. If you're the defending team. Because when you have Kristaps Porzingis going 8-for-12 from the field, making three three three-pointers, when you have Maxi Kleber having a pretty efficient 13-and-4 night, like, who are you stopping? Because you're not stopping Luka, you gotta stop the other guys, and that's just not happening, we saw Zubac get completely destroyed on the defensive end. People were walking to the basket for free layups. Their efficiency inside was absurd. So the Clippers had a good shooting night. They shot basically 50, 40, 90. The Mavs had an absurdly good shooting night. They went 58, 53, and couldn't hit a free throw, but they made more than half of their three-pointers. There was no resistance on the defensive end from the Clippers, and... I just don't see what level they crank it up to. Do they have that other level that they can go to? Because this is the thing with Kawhi. I think we saw this from him in Toronto. We saw it there the last few years, like after Tim Duncan retired, that he was in San Antonio. We know what we're getting from Kawhi. He is a good individual defender. He is a strong health defender because he can just poke it from miles and miles away. And he's gotten very good at being a shot creator kind of in that Kobe Bryant mold. Uh, And, you know, that's who he modeled his offensive game off of. And he's been very good. He's shot four for seven from three, 14 for 21 from the field, made nine free throws, scored 41. He's good at playing his game. I feel as though when you compare him to a guy like LeBron, when you compare him to a guy like Kevin Durant, even, he's not the kind of guy that is making this offensive system around him. Right, he's not a guy you're building around for an offensive strategy. And oh, he didn't
1: really do that in Toronto. Honestly. Yeah, he
0: hasn't done that anywhere in his career, and uh, we—that was one of the limitations of those Spurs teams. I think is that they just kind of said, "All right, we'll give it to Kawhi, and it's his possession. He's going to score it, or he's not." And mm-hmm. that's. There's just more efficient strategies out there right now. We're seeing that with Doncic. He's a build-around guy on the offensive end. We saw it with CP3 all season for the Suns. He's a build-around kind of guy on the offensive end. Uh, I don't think that's who Kawhi Leonard is. I think he is a good volume scorer, but he's not this gravity-warping kind of player. If he makes a mid-range shot, you're kind of just okay with it, and you're just okay taking away these open threes from the other guys.
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree, and it's I I, I hate to defer to psychology because I'm not that generally that kind of uh, believer, <laughs> but like there is something about the Clippers where you have to take that into account. From the fact that Kawhi chose not to go to the Lakers and chose to team up with Paul George of the Clippers, I assumed that was I, I don't I don't know exactly where that came, but I, you assumed oh it's this feeling that he wants to win uh, his own way, he wants to uh maybe he has a good relationship with Paul George and I I had this weird feeling uh, again when there was the whole thing with them the Clippers intentionally tanking to get a lower seat and trying to avoid uh. the Lakers I found that to be very strange for a team that was billed as a team to uh, that was a team that was created specifically to match up with the Lakers I I especially now that they put themselves in a matchup with the team that they had already had trouble with last playoffs
0: if Kristaps Brazingis doesn't get hurt that series, I think they lose that
1: one too. Yeah. I, I don't think – so I'm not a believer that there's any NBA player that could make it in the league that could consciously not want to win. But subconsciously, I wonder if there is still kind of – because I think psych, I think psychology does have an impact, just not quite in the way some analysts want to make it seem.
0: If we want to look at like this macro scale kind of this Mm -hmm. franchise curse kind of thing, there's been a malaise over the Clippers, their entire existence as a franchise, like their best seasons were like with before I was really paying attention to basketball. And you look at Lob City, you look at what happened with Steve Ballmer and just that kind of haze over this franchise that's sharing a city with the Lakers. It, I have been rooting for kind of like these little brother teams like the Clippers, like the Nets to like land these big free agents and be like, oh, you know, who cares about the history of the Knicks and the Lakers and stuff like that. But there's kind of a losing mentality in this franchise. And I think I thought they were turning it around and they just haven't been able to this. Was supposed to be the culmination of all right. We have new we have new blood in the front office. We have uh, Lawrence Frank and we have people who care about building up this franchise, making the right decisions. And they made the right decisions. And they got two all stars and free agency over the Lakers in Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. And Lawrence just...
1: Frank, the, I, I that name makes because as a Nets fan, man, Lawrence <laughs> Frank. There's not many people who have clashed with more individuals and that's what i always like i have to go to all these places where i'm just trying to think okay there's been a coaching change the same stars and it's like it feels like one of these situations where you are going to hear more behind the scenes come out later oh, about man. And, and her, like the 30 for 30 and, from this like 10 years from now like it has and it's that thing that if there's one thing i'll say definitively it's that there Oh, when there's kind of an inexplicable uh, failure like this, usually there are things behind the scenes with the organizational structure. You, and organizational structure is important, no matter who you have. Uh, I think it's like, it's, it's extremely rare that stars can overcome a uh, tumultuous organizational structure, which is what makes uh, stars like LeBron so rare and we we've seen it with Kawhi Leonard before. We've seen it with him in the Spurs, which are actually a pretty well-run organization, but certain aspects of where he was not happy with. Mm-hmm. So I I don't know. I I wish I had a better I wish I had a better explanation because I normally in most situations I hate explanations like this. Like yeah. I, I just keep coming back to like what are they having the most pro- problems with? They're having problems with defense, which is mostly based on effort. They look lost out there, dude.
0: This is the last bit I'll say on the Clippers. They traded Blake Griffin after signing him to this Supermax extension saying, we're going to put your jersey in the rafters. We hope you're a lifelong Clipper and things like that. They traded him. They said, this is the right move for our franchise going forward. Blake Griffin is about to go to the finals with the Brooklyn Nets. And the Clippers are about to be swept in the first round. Uh, I, I think he's doing okay. I don't. <laughs> there, there's yeah. something to be said for, I guess, how that turned out. But there's another side to the story, and it is the greatness of Luka Doncic. Ethan, I'm so excited for this kid. I'm glad that we were right about him because he has been phenomenal in every single playoff game that he's played, which has been like six now or something like that but you watch him break down a defense you watch him lead this Mavericks offense and you're like wow this is really just his second time in the playoffs it feels like he's done this before and here's what we know about Luka Doncic Ethan he has done this before he has been doing this since he was a teenager playing at a professional level winning championships leading teams to championships I think that he, more than any other young player in this league, has the pedigree to succeed at on the playoff stage. Uh, and we've been seeing it so far. I hope we can continue to see it for a long, long time with him. I'm really excited about this. Ethan, what are your thoughts on the Mavericks? And they're really surprisingly phenomenal play.
1: I mean, I, I think it's ridiculous. He, I, It's Curry-esque the way... With his shooting, it seems like he's almost a better shooter when he's off balance in some ways than when he's just like a conventional shooter. Uh, and I do think it speaks to this confidence that it seems like players now feel, oh, I am I don't have to defer as a young player just because uh, the veterans, just because I'm young. Like, I know what I'm doing. I know where doing. They've handed I, the I, team I, over I to care. him. It's Doncic's team. Yeah, yeah. And he, yeah, he has brought that confidence in a way few young players even some of the ones that are being successful now I can say have I think what's especially scary about Luka Doncic is that he really hasn't had uh, that um, even a kind of sidekick if you will that we've kind of wanted him to Porzingis has been kind of inconsistent since he's been there they haven't as we saw last night their defense still has a lot of work they don't have like a real defensive stopper on that team I mean if, if they can get past the Clippers, that's pretty impressive. As they sweep to- the
0: Clippers. What an yeah.
1: accomplishment with that roster. Like, let's
0: leave aside how bad these Clippers are on the court. On paper, this is an incredible accomplishment. As a third-year player in Luka Doncic, to be leading your team to a sweep of that roster.
1: Mm-hmm. I think even as much as 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 I think the Clippers deserve a lot of shit, they did go to seven games with the Nuggets who are no with Murray who are no uh, slouches (laughs) themselves. Uh, Yeah. I I, I think that's still an amazing accomplishment if the uh, Mavericks can handle them like they seem to be able to. And I think that opens a lot of interesting possibilities for the Western conference playoff picture because Everything is kind of up in the air right now in terms of, uh, as we record this, the Grizzlies are still up 1-0. It uh, they seems like there might be some candidacy for regression with that series. It's still 1-1 to with the Lakers and Suns. I think we still are now doubting the Suns a little more, but they, they still obviously have a chance. Uh, the Blazers are, have been my dark horse for a little bit now. I, I'm very intrigued by that team. Uh, that game too was so exciting. By the way, listen, as a
0: I've been a Nikola Jokic stand since like 2017, and to see him be this dominant has just been a treat for me. It's it's been my pleasure to watch him at work.
1: Probably on his way to an MVP.
0: I those ballots are already in, and I would not be surprised because they just announced like six man and most improved. Like we're gonna be hearing some uh, some cheers for this the big man <laughs> pretty soon and he's gonna be is he gonna be the first uh second round pick uh I, moses brown won mvp once right but he's gonna be the first second round pick to win mvp in a long time at least yeah. if not the first um yeah what a story for that guy but yeah i mean like you said perzingis has been i mean he's a matchup nightmare but i don't think he is the guy that's going to be the number two on Luka Doncic's inevitable championship uh, team. I think this team has nowhere to go, but up. Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. Is in a contract year and he has been the second most in player, uh, most important player on that team for most of the season. And, you know, you're definitely going to see some retooling. We'll see what deals the Mavericks are able to make, what free agents they're able to attract, but, you got Luka Doncic under contract for the next few years at least. Gonna get that rookie extension, no doubt. Like, mm-hmm.
1: it's a good time to be a Mavericks fan, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. I think I'd, of, be, I'd be remiss actually if I didn't for a second mention the other player from that draft, Trey Young, who oh, yeah, uh, might not be quite where Luka is right now, but he also is performing at uh. Very high level. Uh, and I'm interested to see where that goes. I mean, yeah, we can talk about this right now. Because, listen, at the
0: time, Luka fans <laughs> maligned that trade that the Hawks made, uh, swapping that third pick for the fifth pick in Trey Young and a couple of other assets that they're still using to this day. Kevin Herter on that team. Uh, and it's been paying off for them as well. They're the fifth seed in the East, I believe. And they are... uh They're up 1-0 against the Knicks, and part Mm -hmm. of that was off of a game winner from Trey Young. Part of that was from the expertise of Lou Will kind of giving them a little bit of a run in that game one, keeping them competitive, but the Hawks are real competitive right now. They struggled with injuries all season, but they Mm -hmm. have been able to sort of rally late into the season, um, start figuring things out. I've been especially uh, impressed by guys that we kind of thought, oh, like this guy's career is over in Danilo Gallinari and you know, he's only 32, but he's been bouncing around the league for a good while now. And he has been a contributing player on a pretty good team. Uh, some of these European three point shooters, you know, Bogdanovich is on that team as well. He's been really important for them. Uh, yeah. If you're in Atlanta, it's an exciting time to be a Hawks fan. And I, I think that actually touches on one of the themes that we wanted to talk about today is that there are a lot of teams that maybe haven't been that great over the past several seasons, but they got some young guys that should make you very, very excited if you're a fan of that team. So we talked about Trey young. We talked about Luka Doncic, talked about Jokic for a little bit. Ethan, let's talk about your guy John Morant on the Memphis Grizzlies taking it to Steph Curry, taking it to the number one, Utah Jazz, no Donovan Mitchell in that game, obviously, and he's going to be returning tonight, but he has just been the best player on the court in some games with some real good players. So how do you, how do you feel? You, you've been calling this since before he was drafted. Uh, Morant has been, this has been a great season for him. I'm very excited for the Grizzlies, uh, who were kind of floundering for a while there towards the tail end of the Con League of Gasol years. Uh, to find an identity. And they found an identity in this guy, mm-hmm. John Morant, who easily, I think, is the most talented young guy that the Grizzlies have had in their franchise history. Like,
1: I don't know. Talk to us. Tell us you told us so, <laughs> Ethan. I told you so. No, but what I've been amazed with with John Morant is the ability... Uh, I've been harping on this all season well since basically since his uh injury is that his jumper's been off all year from where it was in his rookie year and in college but i'm just amazed at the way he has in this like bob ryan-esque uh bob ryan wet dream kind of way been able to <laughs> maintain efficiency without really having much of a three-pointer or a jumper like he has, he has the best floater in the league which is such a strange thing to say as like a compliment it sounds kind of like a backhanded compliment but like he, Floater's making a so, comeback. Yeah, yeah. The, the grace he has on the court and the way he can kind of manipulate uh, this offensive uh, – manipulate an entire offensive play and the defense around him to just get what he wants while still having all these uh, places of room to grow or to regress back to the mean, I think – I just am super high on the guy, but I think he's showing that even right now he can make a team, uh, a threat under the right circumstances. And I, I don't know what's uh, going to happen with that series, but it, it seems like I, what I will say is I think some, like I seen some jazz fans saying like, Oh, you, you shot so well. Uh, it, it, this is going to be a gentleman's sweep. I'm not so sure about that because I don't think the shooting disparities are as ridiculous as some, like, like, I don't know, take like the 2019 magic winning game one. And I just think there's no, there's no one. Well, Donovan Mitchell is of course the X factor, mm-hmm. but un- with his status up in the air, there's not that one player on the jazz that I think, okay, eventually that person's just going to uh, blow up and the Grizzlies are going to have no uh, idea what to do with them. So. I
0: mean, we, I mentioned him already. Mike Conley has kind of been struggling uh, shooting in the playoffs. He's coming off of the injury of his own. And, you know, that's been kind of characteristic of a lot of his career is where he is very, very good at the game of basketball. He is a floor general of the highest echelon really, but he tends to get hurt. And when he comes back, he tends to struggle uh, offensively creating his own shot and making buckets go. Um, and I, I think we could see some regression to the mean with him because he is a very good scorer. It's just, it sure. there are times where it's just not working for him. Um, obviously like i don't know how many more 31 point games you're getting out of dylan brooks
1: of course yeah
0: (laughs) um which i mean he's been really good this season too so this isn't even a knock against him it's just that this is a league best defense uh behind only the lakers i believe in terms of defensive rating and you're seeing some of these guys these role guys on the grizzlies just completely go off valentunas has had a phenomenal season 15 and 12 uh last time against the jazz and i think he's been great for the grizzlies listen the grizzlies have a great structure going forward because dylan brooks great season for him moran obviously a fantastic season for him like the most disappointing young guy on this team has been jaron jackson jr and i think if that's your worst like the worst uh outcome of your young core going forward like you're still really happy with that um and I, i think for this series at least Obviously Mitchell is a difference maker because you're not relying on 29 from Boyan Bogdanovich every night if you're the Jazz. Like that's just a tough sell. You're not winning a series off of those hopes.
1: Uh, that's what, yeah, that's also yeah. what I say about regression to mean. You're not so Donovan Mitchell wasn't on the court, but Bohan Bogdanovich had like a superstar game. And listen, I'm I'm a Nets fan. I remember the Bogdanovich era. I love. Listen, Bogdanovich before. is yeah. a baller, dude. Yeah. He can yeah. score yeah. what he wants to. Oh yeah, he, he can be amazing. But you can't rely. That's to re- not going to win you four games
0: in a out. tough series against a tough, tough team. And I think that's mm-hmm. listen. Do you want to? You want to talk about like what teams are most likely to get swept in these playoffs? Like I think a lot of people would have had the Grizzlies up there. I don't think that's true at all. Even if Mitchell wasn't hurt, that's a tough team. And the Jazz have a play style that in the past has struggled in the playoffs. In the past, like, they have started missing threes. In the past, they've had Rudy Gobert struggle to adapt to these different defensive schemes. And he wasn't able to stay on the court in game one, 25 minutes only. Uh, Derek Favors taking up the lion's share of those minutes with uh, 23 from him. But, like, I think the most likely sweeps right now after the celtics obviously because that's (laughs) that series is done uh but uh i think the clippers are like a dark horse to get swept here i don't think people would have predicted that beforehand but like i I think the clippers are very likely to get swept here i'd go through a few teams that i would have thought would have gone swept before i got to the grizzlies um Mm -hmm. like the wizards are up there obviously because they just they just don't have the talent to compete right now,
1: especially with Beal kind of hobbling around. Um, so who do, who are we who are we buying of these surprises and disappointments, and who do we think it, it, the series are against eventually going to revert to what we expected?
0: Well, I think we talked about the Hawks a little bit. I I would say they're not as surprising because this was always kind of projected to be a pretty competitive series, especially with the Hawks returning to full health and stuff. So I wouldn't even call that that much of a surprise. I think you look at the latter half of Atlanta season and they have been a very good team. You look at the latter half of New York season, they've been a very good team, very tough team. Uh, yeah. I mean, that series is just entertaining. I don't really know what to expect from that low key. I think the Bucks have surprised me a little bit because they pull out that close victory game one game two. They just destroy the heat. Like Butler has not looked like himself at all. We've known that he's not really a shooter, but he's always come alive in the playoffs in the past, his whole career. He has been an outperformer in the playoffs and obviously in the bubbles, uh, in the bubble last season, he took that to the finals. Um, But the bucks really just schooled them and they have shown a fight on defense and a ceiling on offense that I think is competitive with some of the best teams in the league right now.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, shout out to Chris
0: Milton for that shot. Uh, <laughs> Bryn Forbes, by the way. Bryn
1: Forbes, of course, yeah.
0: The Bryn Forbes game oh. was not one that I had marked down uh, for this upcoming <laughs> playoff series, but yeah, he... He scores 22 in 20 minutes, uh, very Joe Harris-like of him. And, yeah, I mean, the Bucks have kind of surprised me. The Nets look really good, but I think we kind of expected that. Uh, I'm buying the Suns a little bit. I'm buying into Suns stock, but kind of tentatively, because from what we saw from Chris Paul, uh, both last night and from game one, that shoulder injury is really hampering his play. Uh, He's obviously not able to dribble as tightly as he normally is. And his shots just look really awkward. I think that that shoulder injury is going to linger throughout the playoffs. And that probably eliminates any chance the Suns had of winning the finals for sure. It definitely reduces the chances that they have against this Lakers team. If you watch game two, they came close. They pulled ahead a couple times and I feel as though the Lakers had the ability to hunker down and say, hey, we're going to get these stops. We are just going to defend the hell out of you for a couple minutes and then pull away. And the Suns didn't have that extra mode to go to, especially not not without a guy like Chris Paul who is able to just run an offense like very few people have in in NBA history. So uh, I'm buying the structure. I'm not really buying their chances this season, but the Suns have looked really surprising to me DeAndre Ayton only missed one shot last night and that was the one that was blocked by Alex Caruso, which was uh, an interesting tidbit. Yeah, I like what the Suns have done. I wasn't really sure what was going on. Is this like a regular season only kind of thing? But they look gritty. They... I don't know. They're not getting 19 out of Cameron Payne again. Dude's never scored five points in a playoffs game before. And then suddenly goes off for 19. Like that's, that's tough to recreate, I would say, but uh, I like what the Suns have shown me. I'm definitely buying Maverick stock right now. And, you know, I feel as though confidence in the bucks was at an all time low, like Mm -hmm. people not really believing in the Giannis era saying, Oh, you know, you, you you lost to the Heat last season. You're a regular season-only kind of team when people start actually defending you in a playoff kind of way, Giannis. Like, it just all falls apart. And they've been good so far. I think you buy low on the Bucks team right now.
1: Yeah. Yeah, as a Nets fan, I am a little worried. Uh, probably more than most teams about them as a potential second-round matchup. And that, yeah, their biggest weakness is the fact that they usually kind of get locked down on defense by the time they play an elite uh, playoff team. But then that's kind of their whole style. is not really predicated on like being able to like lock down someone like Giannis. Yeah. KD in theory should be a, a good defender. Claxton, a lot of people buy into the potential, but still I, I do worry a bit more. I still think we'll. We could beat them in a series, but I do hope. I that think that's turning into them. like
0: a series that I'm looking forward to a lot. If the Heat yeah, don't be like, a good turn be something a good up, trip. like this is a the Bucks Nets matchup, potential matchup in the second round. I'm looking at that and I'm saying, man, I want to watch that. I want to watch at least like two games of that and see like, oh, is this, is this going to be another or team falling apart when faced with the first team with like a little bit of grit, a little bit of talent, whatever, or is it going to be an actual series? And I think Boone made some good decisions. Uh, if it turns into like a shootout, the bucks have guns this season. That's not something we were able to say about them before, but they have guns. Bryn Forbes isn't coming out of nowhere. He's had a good shooting season and you look up and down that Bucks roster, you're replacing Eric Bledsoe notable playoff choker, Eric Bledsoe that I've been maligning for years. They finally get rid of him. What do you know? Drew Holiday is a better player in the playoffs than Eric Bledsoe. Um, and I mean, yeah, Chris Middleton, obviously having a good season, Brooke Lopez continuing to shoot well. Uh, and when, Giannis Antetokounmpo is the worst shooter on the court for the Bucks. They're doing all right for themselves. So I think that's going to be a fun series. Yeah,
1: I'll put it this way. Our big three, when they're all on, there's not much anyone can do. But we, if we're going to play the Bucs, we need to hope that with probably Drew Holiday guarding KD, maybe being able to contain him a bit. We better oh, hope gosh. that our other guys, there aren't guys that just have, you know, like flame out series, you know. We can't have Kyrie having a, a 2019 Eastern Conference semifinals. We can't have Harden having a, like, 2018 uh, Rockets <laughs> Game 7 shooting. Like, we need multiple guys to be on if we're going to beat that Bucks team.
0: And we know this about Chris Middleton. We know that he is a phenomenal off-ball defender. He is, like, you know, he's fine on-ball, but off-ball he has sealed – so many uh, outside shooters, outside shooting reliant teams in that heat series. Like he wasn't ready for Tyler Harrow to mark him on ball like that, like bubble Harrow. That was definitely a thing, but I think again, we saw Joe Harris scored like 22 and a quarter last night or something, yeah, whatever it was. Yeah. I, I think you're going to see less of those nights uh, from the Brooklyn Nets supporting cast uh, with the defensive tools that the Bucks are boasting here. And, you know, you can try to cook Brook Lopez. Good luck with Giannis Antetokounmpo also on the help defense or whatever. But I think it's going to be on those three guys to really perform, to really, like, outstar the Milwaukee Bucks. And if that mm-hmm. doesn't happen, there is a solid enough structure here to where I think the Bucks can be super competitive. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's maybe looking a little bit too far ahead. We've seen yeah. Jimmy Butler uh, do incredible things in the playoffs. We've seen this Heat team specifically. No Jay Crowder this year. you replace him with the uh, old-ass Trevor Ariza. But um, I, th- I think the Heat have a chance in that one. Uh, I would not be surprised if they brought it back to at least six games. So, um, you know, I won't count my chickens before they hatch. But that is a series that I think would be
1: very entertaining to watch. Agreed. We want to go into the two cent.
0: Yeah, we absolutely can. Do you have any uh, any thoughts? <laughs> any, anything you want to put forward?
1: So more on the Clippers because we haven't given them enough slander. I think you start <laughs> to touch on it a little. So I have this. I have, yeah, looking at the Clippers franchise in its entirety. I was just like kind of like yeah, looking into them more, and I have a belief. There are one of two scenarios I think should have happened with the Clippers. One, for a time, they were in San Diego, which is very interesting to me, given that San Diego now has only one major pro sports team. And I, and then, of course, they sold it to Donald Sterling, who then was investigated by the league and was about to be, uh, in the 80s, kicked out of his ownership, until David Stern, of all people, convinced them to keep on with uh, Donald Sterling. He then moved, the, franchise to LA against their wishes I think that an alternate universe in which the Clippers stayed in San Diego is almost like the one time that franchise could have made sense whereas this current incarnation you know uh the Balmer ownership I think was promoted a lot the stars everyone thought it was going to come together it really hasn't and it's almost as if The whole specter of trying to be one of LA's teams, it was just always against them. They came into that market when Showtime was already there and basically have kind of had their backs up against the wall and trying to get a market share ever since. Whereas the Nets, obviously I'm biased, but have at least tried to make an identity within that, a distinct identity within that city by marketing around Brooklyn as opposed to trying to, out, uh, outdo the Knicks even though in my opinion the Knicks have not done nearly as much as the Lakers to cement their <laughs> their legacy that. is oh we have Madison Square Garden and like exactly. Patrick Ewing went exactly. to the finals that one time but hot take here I kind of think that the Clippers never should have existed they came into the league in Buffalo right as that city was having its industrial decline they botched the one place that they may have been able to succeed, where you could see a tech place, you could see a, a scenario where they were San Diego's biggest team now that baseball has declined in product and that they only have baseball as a city. And now they, in the spirit of so many American uh, falling apart stories, they sought riches in the beauty of Los Angeles and have a look more abundant and Destitute. the The Clippers are trend. The Clippers are a franchise that never should have existed. They need to be contracted. I'm sorry. I have Clippers fans friends, but I get, I just got to give it to you straight. It's over. I'm sorry. They're cursed forever.
0: The clear answer here is to tear it down and rebuild it in Seattle. I'll just remake the supersonics from the ashes of the Clippers. Um, Bring, bring basketball back to Seattle. Uh, Listen, Donald Sterling. I think I misspoke earlier and and talked about Steve Ballmer. He's the good owner, Donald Sterling there. There's an excellent video by uh, the former SB nation secret base on Donald Sterling's tenure as owner of the LA Clippers. I highly recommend watching it. Uh, That whole ownership, and he was the main owner for a really long time. That whole ownership was a disaster. It's not too, too surprising to me that uh, that franchise has bad vibes, to put it simply. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the Phoenix Suns because I was really excited for Game 2 after watching Game 1 where they had a really nice victory against the Lakers. Uh, I touched a little bit on it before. They, down the stretch against the Lakers, there were a lot of swings in this game too. And it looked like they were going to be able to get away, like just just make it happen. But the Lakers outvetted them. Anthony Davis and LeBron James said, oh, you know, three minutes left. I guess we'll play right now. I guess we'll just lock you out of this game. And that's what they did. But I want to talk about DeAndre Ayton because he's a guy who went first, in a draft that had Luka Doncic going third. And at the time, like me being the Doncic stand that I was, I was like, this is a terrible decision. The Suns are going to regret this for the entirety of Doncic's career. Why did they do this? And to an extent, I still agree with that sentiment. I feel as though there was a trade that they could have made uh, if they were looking for Eights in any way to the effect of getting Aiden later on. If their idea is, hey, we have the first pick and we're not going to take the best player, we're going to take the player that's the best fit for our franchise, that's a situation where teams have traded down in the past. So I criticized the Suns a lot at the time saying, hey, you have this generational talent in Luka Doncic and DeAndre Aiton who probably just be good, but he's been better than good. Game one against the Lakers... He outperformed Anthony Davis. He outperformed LeBron James. He was the best big man on the court against a team who have three really good big men. Uh, Aiden's been really impressive. You look at his stats from the season, he's also been very impressive. And I think part of that is being paired next to a generational Hall of Fame point guard like Chris Paul and... A Devin Booker, who's improved his playmaking, he's still lacking a little bit on that end, and I think that came a little bit into play last night against the Lakers, but dude, I think Ayton's going to be good. <laughs> Maybe that's a hot take. Maybe people are going uh, <laughs> to push back against that one, but I was very impressed by his play. He I, he has some improvement to do on, uh, on the defensive awareness end. I think sometimes he's a little bit slow to rotate on help defense. Sometimes he's not really recognizing the situations where wild passes are going to be made and getting in those passing lanes, but overall he plays this role really, really well and his role is pretty important in this league, which is be a big man, punish people for sending big guy or sending small guys to defend you down low rather and grab some boards. He's done just that. I've been very impressed by Deandre Aiden. and I Good on the Suns. Happy for them. Well, Ethan, that was another. Uh, that sure was a podcast.
1: Yep. Yep. <laughs> uh, we'll, yeah. We'll probably be coming back to it sometime. There's gonna be something that's happening in the NBA playoffs that we're gonna Dude, have to talk about. So
0: there's gonna be like a game seven somewhere where out of nowhere, PJ Dozier just has a 40 point game or something and we're just gonna have to talk about it so this is not the last you're gonna hear from us guys but thank you so much for hearing from us today obviously wherever you're listening to your podcast you can continue to listen to ours we are on twitter at brn sports convos and you can also find us online at sportsconvos.com where articles are published sometimes and
1: <laughs> uh yeah I might have something coming. I don't want to speak too soon. I've been okay. wrong before. But I might have something coming. Just
0: listen. I've tried to write down in article form my feelings about the LA Clippers, like on three separate occasions. I just can't can't put it into words. Uh, so I, I, I've had serious writer's block. Uh, but I don't know. There's a lot of stuff happening in basketball, so maybe something will inspire me to speak. Maybe there'll be enough Celtics slander on my timeline to where I finally have to speak out as the premier Celtics fan here. I'll try
1: to (laughs) provide you inspiration.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. (laughs) Um, But yeah, we will be back and I hope you guys look forward to it. Uh, But we'll see you then.